live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people. Welcome to the end of week seven. We're making it around the corner, that last turn, and headed down the path to completion here. But the road may be bumpy. So without further ado, let's just get started with roll call. And today's question submitted by our senior legal counsel is our favorite vacation destination. So Jeff, how are you doing today? Good. Hey, Davin, it's Jeff Scala here, uh, handling environmental, ag issues, water, rural affairs, and broadband. Uh, my favorite destination would be many Florida beaches, but in particular, it would be Siesta Key Beach or St. Pete Beach. All right, we can deal with that. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm Bob McKee. I'm the Deputy Director of Public Policy for the Association. And my favorite destination would be anywhere where I could go to the beach in the morning and a baseball game in the afternoon, preferably a spring training game where it's outdoors with an adult beverage in my hand. Adult beverage? You didn't tell us that in your interview. We have to look into that. I'm on vacation. Oh, okay. All right. In the scenario. <laughs> All right. Sarah, you better not have adult beverages. I don't know. We need to check some ID. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm hanging in there, Davin. Sarah Henley, Fax Policy Analyst. Uh, I'll be a little more specific. My favorite destination is probably New York City in the United States. And then abroad is definitely Munich, Germany. Ah. And see, I remember when COVID broke out, Sarah went to New York on spring break. I couldn't resist, I did. Yeah, she played it a little close. Eddie, how you doing? It's your question. Welcome. All right. Um, doing great for a Friday. And um, this is uh, Eddie Labrador, uh, legal counsel. Uh, I cover community and urban affairs, elections, ethics, and uh, transportation and all things legal. So, and my favorite vacation spot uh, is one that I've never been to. Uh, I've only thought about it, it's on the bucket lists, but it is Rome, Italy. Uh, not only because it's a romantic city, but it's where the Vatican is, and I'd like to go and meet with, with the Pope and talk a little bit about God. Man, that's, Eddie, that's interesting. I want to sort of be a fly on the wall with you and the Pope. <laughs> I wonder what you would tell him about. I think you would argue with the Pope, wouldn't you? You would argue with the Pope. I certainly would ask some questions. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, Eddie. Um, folks, I'm Davin Suggs, Director of Public Policy. You know, I'm a real simple guy. My favorite vacation destination is my recliner when my wife and child are on vacation anywhere in the world. So I'm pretty simple. A little peace and quiet goes a long way. Other than that, if I had to go somewhere, 
Um, and this is crazy because I live in Florida, but I would go sit in the woods atop on the north side of Lake Tahoe. Look at the lake, the clean air, the mountains. Um, I used to live out there. I miss it. I know I'm surrounded by water down here, but it's something special about Lake Tahoe on the north side there. Um, even better in the winter. So there we go. All right. Week seven, folks. Um, in terms of specific committees, not a lot to run down, but there's a lot of action, especially behind the scenes, as everything is funneling towards the floor. So I'm going to start, like I always do, with Jeff. Jeff, you know what time it is? Jeff, are you looking at your watch? You know what time it is? What time is it, Gavin? It's about to go down. In environment and water, uh, a few uh, a few preemption bills that continue to move along. Those energy preemptions that we've discussed previously in the House side, the HB 839 uh, about banning gas stations. Uh, the future construction of gas stations cleared its final uh, committee stop and is heading towards the floor. And House Bill 919, the preemption on utility services, the, the bill that will prohibit uh, banning certain types of fuel. Those two bills are now heading towards the floor. Um, in the in ag, uh, the right to farm bill, uh, House Bill 1601, cleared its final committee stop and will be now heading to, towards the floor as well. Um, on the Senate side, the private waste company bill that we've been tracking, Senate Bill 694, was brought in uh, uh, and amended in its last committee stop. Uh, that's uh, 694 Waste Management by Senator Ray Rodriguez. Uh, the bill was amended to, to offer a clear definition of storm-generated yard trash, and it removed provisions that, uh, that would prohibit uh, a local government and waste hauler from nego voluntarily negotiating the end of a contract. It also made, sh made clear that this would not apply retro, uh, retroactively. Um, a few more bills that would uh, ratify uh, DEP rules on biosolids and the Central Florida Water Initiative cleared their last stops and are also heading towards the floor. Um, so we're going to be watching a few bills here as a uh, session wraps up and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I know you're going to have some interesting stuff. We'll get to the one big thing which consumed your time this week, which is broadband. So I know we'll get to that, but thank you for the rundown. Hey, Bob, are you looking at your watch? You set your alarm? Do you know what time it is? It's about to go down. All right, this week, the big action was impact fees. Uh, it was up on both sides on April 15th. Um, there was an amendment that revised the bill. It uh, um, kept the cap provisions the way they were, but as far as what we've been referring to as the bypass, they put in some conditions. We had been waiting for that trapdoor to spring, so to speak. Um, when we saw it, they were not as onerous as we were concerned that they would be. They're gonna require a study done within 12 months of the adoption to increase the fees beyond the cap amounts. Um, they'll have to be 
some um, something in this in that study that demonstrates the extraordinary circumstances that are requiring the piercing of the caps. Um, it requires um, two public meetings, dedicated workshops, dedicated to the extraordinary circumstances that require the increase, and then it requires a two-thirds vote. There were some other things that were revised in the bill. Um, there's a provision dealing with credits, of which there was has been some um, disagreement about how that provision that was put into law last year was meant to operate. And so they put in a provision that gives a statement of legislative intent that the, the subsection replying to, excuse me, applying to impact fee credits applies regardless of whether the credits were established before or after the effective date of this act. So it puts in some retroactivity with respect to credits that were issued prior to the bill. And this is dealing with allowing credits that were granted to be used in an, in a joining um, impact fee district, so long as the, um, that district also receives benefits um, from the improvements. So that was in the bill as well. The bill is, um, the, the cap portion of the bill is retroactive to January 1, 2021. The other big thing that happened, or some of the other thing that happened this week, not to the big thing yet, but um, in the finance and tax world is the Senate did refuse to concur with the House amendment on their budget. And so we're awaiting allocations and the naming of conferees, um, but we expect, we, we, the Senate president told everyone to hang around this weekend. So we expect that to happen potentially at any moment. All right. Thank you, Bob. Good rundown. Good job on impact fees. And um, we'll have a little bit of fun this weekend. I, I forgot to mention, we did also have to fight off some harmful amendments in the Senate Appropriations Committee. Yeah, a little jujitsu, a little legislative jujitsu. You know, Eddie's good at judo, right? Eddie, you have lots of trophies, judo trophies. So Lots of trophies. Right. Eddie, it's time for your rundown. It's about to go down. Okay. Um, it was a, a busy time in the Rules Committee this week. Uh, we have uh, the first bill is... Uh, Committee substitute from committee substitute from Senate Bill 266 relating to home-based businesses. Um, the bill was um, amended uh, to further narrow uh, the um, restrictions on local government, um, so that uh, we are still able to. Um, it, it makes it makes clear that home-based businesses cannot use equipment or processes that create noise, vibration, heat, smoke, dust, glare, fumes, or odors that are plainly detectable from the street um, and uh, neighboring or neighboring properties. It uh, made some changes uh, relating to. Uh, restricting uh restricting parking and traffic um that is generated by the home-based businesses uh it prohibits uh home-based businesses from conducting transactions in view of the street 
you won't be able to, for, for example, uh, put a gas station in as suggested by some, uh, or conduct other transactions outside of the home. Um, and this bill was passed on a 14 to two vote, and it now goes to the calendar. The, uh, the kind of measure over in the House, House Bill 403 is on the calendar itself after being pooped a couple weeks ago on special order. Uh, the next bill is uh, Senate Bill 426. This has to do with the state preemption of local regulations on seaports. This bill was further narrowed so that today it will only apply, uh, if it passes, it only applies to uh, the city of Key West because uh, the way the amendment that they adopted works is that it, it only applies to a local government that is within uh, an area of critical concern or adjoins an area of critical concern. And there the issue is whether the seaport is adjoining or located within those areas. There's only one such county uh, in which that, that, that occurs and that is uh, Monroe County and in specifically within the city of Key West. Uh, that bill passed 12 to five and it is also now going to the calendar. A particular note, uh, there were certain bills that were not considered uh, even though they were on the rules committee agenda. Uh, one was vacation rentals, 522 by Senator Manny Diaz. That is back on the agenda on Tuesday, 420. Um, and, and then Senate Bill 102, which is the Attorney General matter of great governmental concern. That's the bill that allows the legislature to determine that a matter is, uh, a matter is of great governmental concern and uh, then makes the Attorney General the sole authority to be able to file any lawsuits related to that matter. This is getting at uh, recent uh, lawsuits by local governments, such as in the opiate matter, uh, and it seeks to uh, basically uh, take cities and counties out of the mix in favor of the Attorney General. That bill is also back on the agenda on Tuesday, April 20th. Um, and then um, I've got, uh, I'll talk about the um, Bert Harris bill on the one big thing. That's it. All right. Thank you, Eddie. <clears throat> I'm still trying to figure out what you're going to say to the Pope. You know, are you going to take some notes in? Are you going to write stuff down before you go in there? Or are you just going to let, just let it flow? I'll write, I'll write a letter and then I'll follow up with the Pope. <laughs> Are you going to email the Pope or are you going to hand deliver? How does the Pope get mail? I, I think you can send it to, uh, to the Vatican. You know, just like we would write a letter to the President of the United States, send it to the White House, you write the letter and you send it to the Vatican. Whether or not you get a, a response. A response is a different deal. Uh, but certainly I, I, would wait, I would raise some interesting theological issues. All right. All right, we want to talk more about this. Sarah, before we get into your one big thing, I just, have you ever handwritten a letter and sent it to somebody? Or have you been strictly email your whole life? 
I have written a hand letter, and actually, fun fact, I wrote a handwritten letter at the Vatican when I was there. They have their own post office system there, which is pretty awesome. Man, you guys, we don't even know what we have inside the fact building. Sarah has been in the mailroom at the Vatican. I have. Eddie, so you got some help. You got to take Sarah with you. Sarah, your stock just went up, you know. Now, the people now really want to hear your one big thing. All right, let's talk about elections. In the 2020 general election, the Florida voter turnout rate was around 77%, which is the highest since 1980. And around 4 million Floridians voted early and close to 5 million Floridians voted by mail. And this was the highest number of early voting and vote by mail in recent years, most likely due to the COVID precautions, as well as we were in a natural disaster and a pandemic and more people tend to come out to vote in that time um, for change. But as I'm sure we are all aware in the months following the 2020 general election, some states have been calling for legislation to tighten election security. We've seen it in Georgia and now in Florida. There are two bills up, SB90 and HB7041, and that includes new vote by mail restrictions, new rules regarding where you can request a ballot, who can drop off your ballot, new identification and signature rules and more, and they're all laid out in our legible this week. But one thing of particular importance is a provision in one of the two election bills, HB7041, that requires at the next election, so 2022, following each constitutionally required decennial redistricting, each county commissioner that is elected from a single member district must run for re-election, meaning if you were just elected in 2020 in a single district county, you have to rerun again in two years in 2022. However, this requirement does not apply to Miami-Dade County or any charter county where county commissioners are subject to term limits. And of course, this does not affect at-large commissioners or district commissioners elected countywide. But there are around 19 counties that would be affected by this change. But the good news is that this provision is not in the Senate companion SB 90. So stay tuned with these two bills. They're making their way through the process. Amendments are coming on them and they are ever changing. Man, thank you, Sarah, on that one. I think I got a lot of commissioners that are looking to us and might be sending a letter to the Pope to intervene so that they don't have to run again. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, Before we move on, Sarah, are there any updates on the American Rescue Plan and COVID relief funds? Yes, sir. We got a big update on the American Rescue Plan on Thursday. The U.S. Department of Treasury released its guidelines on pre-award requirements that counties need to take immediately to receive direct payments under the state and local fiscal funds. These three requirements are in our legible this week, as well as on our American Rescue Plan resource webpage. This is the first set of guidelines that came out, but more are expected soon as Treasury just established their new office to lead this implementation and these recovery programs. So by the end of April and May, we should see additional guidelines and the money will be coming out soon because the Treasury has 60 days upon passage, which was March 11th, to send out the money. All right. Thank you, sir. We need that. Rules and we're getting closer to people 
getting more necessary resources to help out their communities. Thank you a lot. Eddie, I'm coming back to you. All right. What if the Pope only gave you the time for one big thing? I mean, would you really talk about Burt Hare stuff or you talk about something else? I think you talk about something else, right? Something else. All right. Well, the people want to hear your one big thing. All right. Um, in the House Judiciary Committee uh, this week, um, I believe that was yesterday, uh, they uh, heard a committee substitute for House Bill 421 and 1101. This uh, bill deals with governmental actions affecting private property rights. Uh, it basically makes changes to the uh, Burt J. Harris Property Rights Protection Act and the Florida Land Use and Environmental Dispute Resolution Act. Um, one of the, the major things that the bill does is that it expands the definition of what constitutes action of a governmental entity to include the adoption of any ordinance, resolution, policy, law uh, that affect um, property rights. Uh, that uh, takes it into, generally speaking, the uh, Harris Act is a, as applied statute that means you can file a claim when a particular law or policy or ordinance regulation is applied to your property and it creates an inordinate burden. Uh, now, the way that would work is the simple fact of that a local government adopts such an ordinance would be actionable uh, and would, you could, you know, it would create a ripe, a ripe issue for you to bring forward a claim against uh, the governmental entity that uh, adopted the, the ordinance or regulation. Uh, this bill uh, passed uh, with a, a large vote um, and uh, it now goes, it, it's now on special order calendar for Tuesday uh, of next week in the House. The Senate companion bill uh, Senate Bill 1876 by Senator Albritton is on the Rules Committee uh, Tuesday agenda to be considered. And that's it for me. All right. No, thank you, Eddie. It's an important issue. Um, and we got to keep whacking away at it. So, but thank you. And, and I know we've got a lot of people on it. Um, it's tough, though, this year in dealing with property rights. Like I said, um, it's almost a nonpartisan issue that we got to try to convince a lot of people um, of the middle ground between being able to operate government <clears throat> and the strong desire to protect perceived property rights. So thank you for working on that, Eddie. Yep. Jeff, can I ask you a question first, though? What's the question, Dan? Um, you believe that Sarah, she's, you just want to go to the beach like back home. Sarah, favorite place is Germany. And she traveled to New York during the onset of COVID. You approve of that? She's very brave. Yeah, very brave. But she hangs out in Germany. You hang out like in Pinellas. You you feel a certain way about that? You might need to change your life goals. I mean, I would love bit. to go to Europe, you know, see London, Paris, Germany, Amsterdam, Italy. I, I could go with, you know, 
Sarah and Nettie to, to Europe, but um, yeah, I think Bob and I are more likely to be on vacation together at the, at the baseball game and the beach. Yeah, no, I'm seeing how this is working out here. Got Sarah and Eddie, got Jeff and Bob. Nobody wants to hang with me, though. It's a little lonely over here at the top, you know. Your recliner's not big enough. Ah, that's a good answer. Good answer, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, the people want to hear your one big thing. And the big thing, once again, was broadband. Uh, while there wasn't much going on in committee, uh, there was one bill slated to be taken up this week, but was temporarily postponed. That was Senate Bill 2004 by Senator Burgess. Uh, the bill originally was a skinny bill, a shell bill, if you will, uh, for $1.4 million uh, to fund the Office of Broadband's feasibility study and had a little bit of some tweaks to advance their strategic plan. However, a large strike-all amendment was added to remove that appropriation and instead insert the Broadband Opportunity Program, which is the substance of a few other bills we've been tracking, one by uh, Representative Clemens, House Bill 753, and the other uh, by Senator Osley, Senate Bill 1560. Um, it, the bill was not taken up, it was temporarily postponed, but that uh, has teed up a a Monday committee in appropriations with three broadband proposals on the agenda. Uh, that bill, 2004, uh, Senate Bill 1560 by Senator Osley, and a third bill, Senate Bill 1592, which uh, deals with uh, tax incentives and municipal uh, polls, uh, electric polls, uh, as well, uh, and their uh, impact to expanding broadband. Um, we're going to be tracking these. Uh, there's been some uh, new amendments filed for that Monday committee that we're going through right now and trying to identify uh, the biggest concern that we see in the in this grant program is the language that's uh, that prohibits state funds uh, to a geographic area in which broadband is already deployed by one provider. This language could be very restrictive in who is eligible for the grants. And we want to make sure that local governments aren't precluded from applying for grants, uh, maybe with a provider as a co-applicant uh, to expand broadband uh, to both unserved and underserved areas. So uh, we're going to be working on this issue and, and making sure that the broadband mapping component is uh, included and that we support the Office of Broadband. It was It's a new... Uh, office over there under the Department of Economic Opportunity passed last year. Um, so we want to make sure that they have all the resources to make uh, to, to, to get the job done and expand access to broadband. Hey, Jeff, extremely tough issue. A lot of moving pieces, but we appreciate you. All right. And um, yeah, I couldn't tell you where this thing is going to end. Um, but as Sarah reported, with our federal money coming on the way, maybe we have some resources to affect change with or without legislation. And That's so, right. Lots of broadband dollars out there. All right. Bob, save you for last because I think you deserve the people need to hear you. But I got two questions for you. All right. Do you think the Pope has good Internet? You think he's got like at least uh, you think he's got a gig? You know, second, you think he watches baseball with the Internet? What do you think? What are your thoughts? I, I can't answer either of those questions. I have no idea. I, I hope on the broadband side, um, but don't know about baseball. Okay. 
has the, the Pope's never thrown out a first pitch anywhere, huh? Has he thrown out? I don't know. He's thrown I out think first he's pitch. tweeted before, though. He's tweeted? All right. He's, he tweet, he's at least got to have, like, 4G if he's tweeting. He's got to have 3G, 4G, something like that. All right, Bob, you let me down. I set you up for this big thing. You always know, like, a lot of stuff. And it's okay. Hold on. The people want to hear your one big thing. The one big thing this week took place uh, Friday morning. Uh, it is the House released their tax package. It's uh, PCB WMC 21-01. Um, it has a total dollar amount of about $100 million, $50 million recurring. $50 million non-recurring in uh, additional tax cuts beyond what they already did in the uh, e-fairness bill um, with respect to workers' comp and uh, um, commercial rent or business rent tax. The big thing for us in the House tax package is that the substance of Representative Avila's bill requiring a referendum for various tourist development tax and convention development tax um, levies, and also expanding the use for um, flood control, um, flood mitigation. So that's in the tax package. Um, it also has, it appears for the professional sports penny, a referendum requirement to refinance any debt. Um, the other things in the package, there are three ad valorem proposals. One increases a discount for certain affordable housing complexes that no longer are under the agreements that they had to get federal tax credits, but that are still providing affordable housing. They would get, um, they currently get a discount of 50%. That would go to 100%. That's uh, thir- estimated to be a $30 million impact across all jurisdictions that impose ad valorem. Um, there's additionally a provision dealing with how aquaculture is um, valued in the income approach. It's about $10 million. And there's some clarifying language on how charitable property should be treated when it's got some, uh, some money-making activity on it. And it just clarifies current law. There's no impact estimated to that um, provision. There are some sales tax provisions in the bill as well. Um, There's a seven-day back-to-school holiday, a seven-day disaster preparedness holiday, and what's being referred to as a seven-day Freedom Week holiday, which would exempt certain recreational equipment. Um, It's very specific to outdoor types of activities and also for admissions for the first week of July. It would, um, it it provides a number of things that would be exempt during that week, including um, things like camping equipment. It's very specific to what qualifies in the bill, fishing equipment, um, and other recreational um, items. The, um, there's a, a small dock stamp provision that makes people not pay dock stamps if their mortgage rate has to be, um, their deed has to be redone or their note has to be redone because it was tied to uh, index that's going to go away. And so there, uh, and then there's a new tax credit program 
um, for certain businesses that's maxed out at $5 million. It, it did pass out of the Ways and Means Committee today. It will be assigned a bill number and most likely go to Senate floor, excuse me, House floor. All right, thank you, Bob. And just folks, the tax package is gonna sort of ride side by side with the budget. And over the next two weeks, it will be negotiated and um, it will all wash out. But with Bob and the team, we're gonna watch those things he highlighted and there's probably more things to come that people are gonna try to sneak in there. So we will keep you abreast of that. All right, folks, um, I'm gonna lead sort of the last thoughts here in the week seven. As I've been telling everybody, all our members, time for formalities is over. Um, all type of tactics are being used to, to try to close out bills, get your point across. Um, we spent a lot of time out this week and not literally jumping out of bushes, but trying to find legislators where we could. Um, using a lot of means and methods to get our point across um, because on top of just a normal process with COVID and, and the lack of face-to-face -face availability, this is where it's getting tough. And so to, to represent our issues and fight against those that would like to move forward at our behest. So, um, but we're still in the hunt and, you know, on a lot of our important issues and we appreciate all the help that we got a lot of help from members this week. And so thank you. Um, two weeks to go, we're going to have to be on our A game and we will need the continued support of our members out there. So thank you in advance. All right, Eddie, any last words about week seven? Looking forward to week eight. What do you think? Glad it's over. All right. Jeff, what you got? I'm still sprinting in this marathon. I hope it's ending soon. Yeah, I know your legs got to be getting tired. I hope you got good shoes. You know, they make special shoes for marathons and that type of thing. Already on my third pair of running shoes. All right. Bob. Running out the soles. Bob, what do you got? You're looking serious, Bob. They're heading to the floor. It's crazy time. Every great idea that wasn't, wasn't good enough for committee comes right out this time of year. That's right. It's going to be interesting on the floor. Sarah, it's your first session with us. What do you think now you're week seven? Is it getting interesting for you? It's in, this week was tense. Emotions ran high on the floor and committees. Lots of controversial things up. So it's, it's pretty draining, I would say. All right. I'm waiting for you to get mad, sir. What happens when you get mad? Not good. All right. We don't want to see it. That's right. We don't want to see it. All right. Or they don't want to see it because Sarah's going to be mad for you folks out there on your behalf. Um, I think I said what I had to say these next two weeks. Um, it's going to be special. I bet next week's report, Sarah might be a little bit more upset. So, um, but again, Thank you for all of your support. And as always, I want to remind everybody, it is not the critic who counts. It's not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And that's all of you out there. And that's why we do what we do. That's why Sarah gets mad. 
is because you guys laid on the line for 21 million people and we are proud to represent you. So until next week, we just say thank you and we'll be here for you. Have a good weekend.